This is Learn It From An 80s Song. I am your coach, Patricia Freiberg. This is I Love the 80s meets the healing of storytelling and the positive impact of music. Inspiring guests share their powerful stories, yielding incredible strengths. Through both story and music, this podcast will elevate your mood, providing you with a positive outlook. It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. It is Heart Health Month, and we have a very special guest today. Please welcome cardiologist, Dr. Janki Shaw. She is happily married with two children, Avi, age 12, and Amia, age 10. She went to Stanford for her undergrad, USC for medical school, and UCLA for her residency. She says she annoys her family because she roots for all three teams in sports. She currently works as an invasive cardiologist at UCLA. She has special interests in women's heart health and heart disease prevention. In her practice, she treats both males and females and all cardiovascular conditions. Welcome, Dr. Shah. It's so great to have you here. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm really excited, especially because it's Heart Month. I really appreciate you taking the time to share with your listeners um, all this important information. Yes. And we both have our red on today. Yes, we do. (laughs) Uh, I knew exactly what I was wearing today. When I knew it was you coming on, I was like, I've got a red dress. I'm going to go put on a dress, which is the first time I'm actually wearing a dress in a long time, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I haven't worn anything other than scrubs like pretty much the whole year. So it's fun to like dig into the red corner of my wardrobe and pull something out. <laughs> yes. And and typically I, I enjoy uh, your Go Red for Women event, which happens this month every year. And I attend every year and it's it's such a wonderful event. And I'm just bummed that we can't do that this year, but I hope for, you know, next year, 2022, we'll all be together again, celebrating Go Red for Women. It is such a fun community event to get together with women and talk about heart disease. I really feel like talking to women is like the best way to extrapolate that knowledge to everybody else because women share it with their sisters and their mothers and their friends. So we are going to have a virtual event later this year, but yes, I hope next year we can go back to the in-person community spirits and uh, yes. Person. Yes, me too. Me too. I, I look forward to it every year. So this is the part of the show where we have the big reveal as to what song or songs uh-huh. we're going to be talking about today from the 80s that best resonates with Dr. Shaw's story. So tell us, first off, can I get a drum roll, please? <laughs> Dr. Shaw. <laughs> What are the songs that you picked for this story today? All right. I'm going to tell you the songs and I'm going to tell you the backstory. So the songs are Listen to Your Heart by Roxette and I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. So while they're the perfect songs, as you'll hear, I have to admit, I was never into pop culture or music or any of that growing up. I was definitely one of those like nose in my books kind of kid. 
So when I uh, was invited by you to do this podcast, I was really excited. But then when I found I had to link it to a song, I was very nervous and sort of embarrassed. (laughs) But I crowdsourced. I asked my family. So my husband and daughter came up with these suggestions for me. Well, I can't imagine better songs. Okay, guys. Um, And this is the first episode where we've had two songs. So it is really a special event. And the fact that your daughter and your husband know you well enough to know, you know, what songs best resonate with your story speaks volumes. (laughs) Listen to your heart is September 1988 by the Swedish pop band Roxette. It was written by Gessel and Titer. In 1989, it went on to be one of the most successful songs and reaching number one in both U.S. and Canada. Now, uh, I won't back down, 1989, so we're still in the late 80s here, written by Petty and Jeff Lynn, was number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100. And this album uh, ended up multi-platinum status. So I had to tell you, you picked some great songs. Well, well done. Well done, (laughs) Dr. Shaw. So tell us your story. Well, you know, so I'm a cardiologist um, and I chose this profession ultimately because it was a great mix of doing procedures, um, seeing patients in in the hospital when they were at their illest and really feeling like you were saving lives. I love the adrenaline pumping life and death situations I get to handle, as well as in the office, helping people, you know, prevent heart disease and building long-term relationships. So ultimately I've been thrilled with my career and it brings me so much satisfaction, but choosing it was really probably one of the toughest decisions in my life. You know, I went to medical school in the 1990s. At that time, fewer than 3% of cardiologists were women And it was really, and still is, you know, a pretty demanding job. And at that time, you know, culturally, I'm I'm Indian and education was very valued. My parents really encouraged me to go to medical school, be high achieving. But there was also this sort of paradox where in the culture, it was expected that you were going to ultimately get married, have kids, and that was going to be your primary goal. And your career should be there because you want to be independent, but it should really be secondary and it should really be conducive to having a great family life. So my dad's best friend, who is a cardiologist and so many other family friends and even family members strongly, strongly encouraged me not to do cardiology, um, saying it wasn't the right fit for a woman. How was I ever going to get married? How can I have children? How can I do that to my future children? So there was a lot of pressure not to pick this as a career. And, you know, these all came from very loving, well-intentioned people whose judgment I absolutely trusted. So, you know, it was hard to make that decision. And then in medical school, I also had an experience during my cardiac surgery rotation where basically they were all men, very sexist, very, um, it it was very clear to me that it was going to be an uphill challenge to go into a male-dominated field. So ultimately, I think I had to sort of listen to my heart, weigh the pros and cons, and kind of stand up and say, I'm not going to back down. This is what really excites me, and this is what I'm going to do. Wow. I'm thinking about you in the 90s, you know, going up against such resistance, you know, you know with your family's resistance. And, and like you said, you, you trust their judgment. They've been your guiding light, right. you know, throughout your life. And myself included, I mean, I, I always wanted the approval of my parents. 
Right. No. And I mean, they were always supportive, but it was always with the best of, with all their love that they just really wanted to guide me in the right way. My dad said, why don't you do ophthalmology or dermatology? You'll have like a great lifestyle. You don't have overnight emergencies and all of that's true. Um, yes. I ended up marrying an ophthalmologist. So I- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So, Hey, you know, it's like the bargaining chip. Right. Someone's <laughs> going to be at home watching the kids when I have to go in the middle of the night. So. <laughs> right. right. Well, and then I'm just thinking about your, your, uh, your drive. And I'm thinking about, you know, the resistance that not only from making the decision and your family's response, but then also coming into a male dominated um, as you put sexist, uh, environment and to come in uh, as a woman, that must've been challenging. Like, how did you get your, you know, like those days, uh, where you feel defeated, you know, how did you walk back into the office and just continue? Like, what was your mindset? Yeah. I mean, luckily as time has gone on, there have been more and more women, you know, going into the field, there's been more recognition that it is a very sort of harsh uh, field and people need to, you know, make it more conducive to recruiting women and other uh, people who would be an asset to the field. So I will say that over time, things have gotten better. I was very lucky to train at UCLA where there were several women cardiologists. And so, and that's unusual. I mean, like I said, there was very few at that time. I would say when I was younger, I sort of, I did take it more personally when I came across sexist things. You know, when I got pregnant, I worked in a setting where it was very frowned upon and had all sorts of negative comments thrown my way. But, you know, you kind of grow and mature and you realize that, you know, you're not going to take that and you be as polite as you can and stand up for yourself. And at the end of the day, I'm there to take care of my patients and I just do my best at that. Wonderful. I mean, and how lucky we are to have you as a cardiologist representing women too, because, and I know you're, you're going to touch on this later, but just knowing that heart disease, oftentimes people think about it just happening for men. But um, as I learned from your Go Red for Women events, it is just as prevalent in, in women. Um, actually, so for decades, more women died of heart disease than men. Oh, wow. It was always thought of as a male problem and all the research studies were done on men. So women have really just been sort of underdiagnosed and undertreated for decades. Isn't that interesting? So we're honestly, we are so fortunate um, to have you leading the cause and how lucky for us that you uh, made it through those obstacles and the resistance. So one lyric that I'm taking from Tom Petty's song, because it reminded me of what you just said was, well, I know what's right. I got just one life. In this world that keeps on pushing me around, but I'll stand my ground and I won't back down. And I just like, can you, I just got my own, gave myself my own goosebumps. I just think of you and your perseverance and you're going to talk about the strengths that you have here in a second, uh, but, um, and how lucky we are. So thank you for- Oh, thank you. For, for being a cardiologist and taking care of women and um, standing your ground and doing what's right. Thanks. I'm really happy I made that decision. You know, if I had, if I could foresee, you know, 20 years later, how happy I'd be, it would have been a much easier decision, <laughs> you know, yes. 2020, but I'm glad I did, did do what I ended up deciding to do. You ended up exactly in the right place. Isn't Absolutely. that so, isn't that so interesting? Yeah. Love it. So Looking at your strengths, I have them here and I'm going to list them off uh, for everybody. So we have number one is honesty. 
Her number one uh, via strength is honesty. Perseverance is number two. And I'm sure you guys, after hearing her story, you're already spotting her strengths. You're already seeing them. Judgment is number three. Love is number four. Kindness, love of learning, hope, bravery, fairness, and forgiveness. The VIA strengths, guys, for those of you who haven't taken the assessment, they are who you are to your core. Our brains are hardwired to see negative. So by taking the VIA strengths assessment, you are able to really tap into who you are to your core. And let me tell you, after taking it twice for myself, they completely are spot on to who I am as a person. And now I lean into those strengths when I have obstacles. And you can hear, even in uh, Dr. Shaw's story, how unknowingly she leaned into these strengths. So tell us a little bit um, about that. You know, I did this assessment a few years ago, definitely a lot later than I wish I had now in retrospect. But yeah, I can definitely see how the top five, for example, really played in. I think the love and kindness is probably, you know, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of doctors have this. We chose a career to help people. And I chose cardiology rather than surgery or something like that, because you really get to develop long-term relationships with people. And that's what really brings me joy and satisfaction. The perseverance, I mean, listen, I trained for 10 years after college and it was before work hour regulations, crazy hours. So, I mean, that definitely required a lot of grit. But I think ultimately the judgment and honesty, which are high up there as well, is probably what I used at that time to really analyze the situation, weigh the pros and cons, and really look inwards to see what would be the best fit for me and what was going to bring me long-term joy. A hundred percent. And from Dr. Nemec's book, uh, Via Strengths uh, Assessment Interventions, we have some interesting research on uh, honesty. So with honesty, you know, you had to be honest with yourself and go up against the resistance of your parents at the time. And honesty, having that strength, you had to lean into that quite a bit and be honest that like, this is the path I want to take. And no matter what, you didn't back down and you just kept moving forward. Same thing when you went and encountered sexism in the workplace. Same thing there. You were honest to who you are and where you wanted to go and what you wanted to do. And and thank God you had those mentors at UCLA also paving the way like you have. Looking at judgment. Oh, also, I want to say about honesty. It's in the top five for most endorsed. People who are hiring or you want a doctor you're going to want, you know, somebody with honesty and their top as their top strengths. Okay. So it's one of the most endorsed, but not only that perseverance is your two strength. Number three is your judgment. Judgment is also one of the top five highest endorsed. So you've got two of them right there in your top 10. And what's interesting about judgment is that here's the quote says, uh, it's a corrective virtue. It counteracts faulty thinking, and biased options, which can help in decision-making. And with doctors, it's like you want somebody who's going to give it to you straight, you know, and have that critical thinking. And they are really skilled. People with judgment are really skilled about resisting the power of suggestion and any manipulation. So 
<laughs> yes. And so that's another thing. I mean, you look at, I'm sorry to have to bring this up, but you look at 2020 and the COVID-19, there was a lot of manipulation happening. And, um, you know, and, and, and I'm married to a, a physician. And when I saw that science wasn't looked at uh, as the primary factor in <laughs> 2020 and dealing with COVID-19, uh, let me tell you, we were very upset in this household, right? Because my husband, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, judgment. It's all about what's right. What is the science telling us? No biases of politics or whatever the heck is going on. And, um, and, and, and I can't imagine a better attribute to have in a doctor like you, Dr. Shaw. Thank you. I completely concur. I mean, I think judgment, like love and kindness, I'm guessing judgment is in there with in the strengths for most doctors. It's definitely something that we're trained to do, you know, really evaluate the, the science and the data and the quality of the science and the data and apply that to our patients and then, you know, apply it to public health issues like this too. So yeah, it was, it's been a frustrating year. <laughs> yes. Yes. But um, I feel a lot of hope now and that we're headed in the right direction. So that's, that's great news for all the physicians out there and our scientists that have been working tirelessly on this. And I understand, um, Dr. Shaw, you've, you've been working with some COVID patients. You've been called in for working with COVID as well as your cardiology. Yeah. So, you know, cardiovascular complications of COVID are fairly common, um, both in hospitalized patients and patients who are recovering or who have recovered. Um, so yes, I've seen a lot of COVID patients and yeah, you know, it's, it's, it was a harrowing experience. It is a harrowing experience to go into the ICUs and just see these critically ill patients. And, and it's a scary time in the hospital too, because families can't be there. And so it's very lonely and isolating and, you know, families are struggling. The patients are all alone in their rooms. I wish that in the last year when these decisions were being made, they could have just, the people making these decisions could have just spent, a, a, you know, five minutes in the ICU to see what it's actually like. And to see in the hospital just how overwhelmed they were in December and part of in early January, where literally spaces that are used for elective procedures became ICUs. And, you know, every last bed and every last corridor in the hospital was used because they were just so overwhelmed. And I think it's easy to make these decisions from political standpoints when you haven't actually been in the shoes of the caretakers in the hospital. It would have been great if someone had just taken a walk through the hospital. Yes, yes, very, yes. And thank you. Um, I want to just say thank you for all of your service during this time and um, being one of the our essential uh, workers here. So, so much gratitude. And, you know, I can't imagine what it is like, but I've wanted to hear stories of what it is like. Uh, we had a, a nurse on just a couple weeks ago uh, talking about it. And, you know, I was getting my information from the news, like a lot of people. But until you talk to those, you know, essential workers and people who have been in there, you really don't know the story. And we can't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, I think probably you should even consider talking to the patients who've lived through it. I mean, some of these patients are in the hospital for literally weeks, if not months on end without any contact other than with, you know, strangers who are the staff at the hospital. It's, I mean, it's just so sad. What advice would you have so, you know, I take care of both men and women. I take care of all cardiovascular conditions, but I do have a special interest in women's heart disease, partially, as I mentioned to you, because more women were dying than heart disease of men for many, many years. 
It's the number one killer of women. It takes more lives than all cancers combined, which is crazy when you think about all the different kinds of cancers you can have. A woman in the United States dies every 80 seconds of some sort of cardiovascular disease. But what really draws me to it is, as I mentioned before, women have been understudied and underrepresented and often very misdiagnosed. You know, sometimes women will come into the emergency room with a heart attack and be told they're just anxious. And that's terrible. So women really need to know that heart disease is their greatest health threat. Um, and what's scary in, the, in recent years is we're seeing that younger women, so under the age of 55, are dying and having heart attacks more often than men and more often than the, the rate of those heart disease and heart attack events are rising in the younger age group. So, I mean, that's obviously a major concern. So getting the word out about heart health screening is really important to me. Yes. And I understand that females, they also have slightly different symptoms than men. Like, um, is nausea one of them? Or I'm trying to remember, I've been studying for my my health board exam uh, for uh, health and wellness coaches. So I've got uh, cardiology is, you know, heart attack, stroke, all of that information is on there. So, but I read somewhere that the symptoms are slightly different. Absolutely. So that's part of the reason women are sometimes misdiagnosed and sometimes don't recognize it themselves. So when we think of like a heart attack, we think of like that classic Hollywood image of a man clutching their chest, breaking out in a sweat and collapsing to the floor. Pretty dramatic. And you think that if that's not what you're having, it might not be a heart attack. But in women, it really truly can be very vague. It could be chest pain, but it could also just be shortness of breath or jaw pain, neck pain, arm pain sometimes just dizziness or excessive fatigue. So what I tell my patients is if something just feels really off to you, it's always better to be safe than sorry and to get it checked out. Okay. Yes. That's, that's great feedback. What are you talking about with your patients uh, regarding prevention these days? So you'll be shocked to hear this, but 90% of women over the age of 40 have at least one heart disease risk factor at least one. And again, it's the number one cause of death in women. But the promising thing is that if you know about your risk factors and you manage them, 80% of heart attacks are preventable, which is so, I mean, it's, it makes me so optimistic that we have the ability to really turn around that statistic of one in three women and dying of heart disease. So I do recommend that women get regular heart checkups. It's really important to know your family history before you go in to talk to your doctor because there's a huge genetic component. And even though you can't change that, there's a lot you can do in terms of being more aggressive about screening. And then when you go to see your doctor, they're going to, you know, evaluate a few numbers. And these are really important numbers to know. Your weight, which we evaluate using something called body mass index. Also, your cholesterol values your uh, blood sugars, whether you're diabetic, and also high blood pressure. So a lot of these we think of as silent killers because you may not have symptoms of high cholesterol or high blood sugars or high blood pressure. So unless it's actually tested for specifically and you ask for it, you may not even know you have these conditions, which will increase your risk later in life of having heart problems. Very good. Very good. So physical activity, I imagine, is, is really important eating a healthy diet for prevention, you know, like you had said, making sure you schedule your appointment with your doctor to get your heart checked, especially those over 40. Mm -hmm. What else? 
So the, as far as you were, the things you were mentioning, as far as exercise, the American Heart Association recommends a minimum of 150 minutes of exercise, cardiovascular exercise, because that has been shown to help reduce the risk eating better, you know, I think that deserves a word of what we mean by that. Definitely sort of the common sense things, avoiding refined in processed foods, but we really do advocate for a Mediterranean diet, which is very high in fiber. So lots of plant-based sources, fruits, vegetables, nuts, whole grains, oily fish and white meat are fine, but we really recommend minimizing red meat, full fat dairy, and then obviously desserts and processed foods as well. You know, smoking is the single most important preventable cause of heart attacks and strokes. So if you're smoking, absolutely stop and try to, we have a lot of tools in our arsenal to help people stop. And then, you know, managing your blood pressure, cholesterol, and sugars will often require assistance from your doctor with medications. But a lot of what we talked about, exercising, eating healthy will also help control those underlying issues as well. Very good. Yeah, that's all great. And all that just sounds, I feel so much hope knowing that there are so many ways that we can control um, heart disease. Right. No, it's, I mean, it's, I think all it is about getting the word out. We, I mean, who's not going to say, oh, there's an 80% chance I can prevent dying from the number one cause of uh, death in the United States. Like who's not going to take these precautions? It's just about education and getting the word out which is why, um, you know, we do all the community outreach we can. Absolutely. And that's where Go Red for Women has really been, it's been great. I've learned so much at every single, you know, event I've gone to. And, um, and I did remember you talking a lot about plant-based and the Mediterranean diet, which I actually um, have been adhering to as well. So I appreciated learning that from you guys. Uh, so what action items would you have for our listeners today? If like top three. One, if you haven't already scheduled your physical for the year, make sure you do. And when you schedule the physical with your primary care doctor, make sure you specifically ask for a heart risk assessment. So they will check all of those things we talked about. Some of it will include blood tests. And then if you have any risk factors, you know, be referred to a cardiologist to do sort of more aggressive screening tests and things like that, all of which are non-invasive. And then number two and three would be what we just talked about, trying to eat as healthy as possible and trying to stay active, keep moving, get your exercise in. Not only obviously does it help heart health, which is what we're talking about today, but it helps emotional health. It helps your bones. It helps every organ system from head to toe. So both of those things, eating healthy and staying active. I think it's the fountain of youth. 100% agree with that, Um, especially since I'm in the fitness industry. I also know that, you know, the 150 minutes, it sounds daunting to some people. And especially, you know, during COVID where you may not have access to, you know, a gym right now, but those minutes can be done throughout the day. You can take 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there and spread it out throughout your day, throughout your week. And let me tell you, the 150 minutes you know, comes up pretty quickly. Yes, um, I mean, if you, you do about it. it, it's a little more than 20 minutes a day, you know, for seven days a week. So if you do a 10 minute something and a 15 minute something later in the day, and it doesn't, you don't have to go to a gym. You can go outside. You can just take the stairs in your house and go up and down them a few times, take some laps around your backyard, get some sunshine. People think it has to be some sort of like exercise class or something. And it absolutely does not need to be. It can be playing hoops in the backyard with your kids. You know, it can be anything that's getting your heart rate up. Very good. Yes. Great advice. 
And even, you know, we are being virtual right now. You can get access to a lot of free workouts, you know, on YouTube. You know, you can look up, you know, cardio classes and, you know, all different things. So there is a lot of affordable ways to exercise right now. And there's also a lot of great ways to exercise, uh, you know, virtually. So if you want it, there's memberships you can get. You can, you know, find your favorite instructor. And I guarantee they're teaching a class online somewhere, you know, whether it's Instagram or uh, Facebook or another online platform. So, um, you know, that's the time to be proactive and reach out because even though we all get this pandemic fatigue and, and trust me, I know it's, it's real, you know, we have to find those ways to keep our immunity up and we have to find those ways to, for heart health. And most of all right now, I mean, for a lot of us, it's emotional health as well. Absolutely. So yes. And, um, Dr. Shah, I just want to thank you again for, for all of this information. It is really helpful. Before we go to 80s trends, can you tell us um, how we get a hold of you? And um, we're going to put the Go Red for Women in a link in the show notes. So you'll be able to access that if you'd like to donate and find more information um, about heart health. Thanks. Like I said, I'm not into super, super into pop culture. And that kind of goes along with social media as well. I do have a Twitter handle at Janki Bhuva Shah. And then if anyone wants to see me for a consultation, I work out of UCLA and you can find me on the website there, UCLA Health. UCLA Health and everybody get their hearts checked. All right. So 80s trends. I know you were very busy studying um, in the 80s. So if you, if you, we saw your closet or you were at school, what would you be wearing? Now or in the 80s? No, no, in the 80s. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You're like scrubs. scrubs. Yes, an athleisure. (laughs) I was into comfy clothing back then. I think in the 80s, you know, when I was not in my school uniform, I was wearing just like leggings and oversized sweatshirts, which was super cozy. I wish we could go back to that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. The oversized sweat. Yes. And I think it's kind of coming back. So I think your wish might be coming true. (laughs) Leggings and- Leggings are um, definitely back. I don't know about the oversized sweatshirts, but I hope they come back. (laughs) Yes. uh, Yes. Me too. And then leg warmers. Like, can we- Oh, yes. What about the leg warmers? And the jelly bracelets. I had a lot of jelly bracelets. Yes. Yes, they were. You twisted them and put them all the way up your arm. All the way up. Yes, I remember. I remember uh, as a kid, we'd go to the Jersey Shore and Ocean City, New Jersey, and um, there was some of those shops on the boardwalk Mm -hmm. that would sell them, and they were like a penny, I think, you know, just for for each one. But we would get as many neon colors as we possibly could. Ones with sparkle, (laughs) you know. So definitely affordable. The jelly shoes. I do remember the jelly shoes. <laughs> Those are fun. Yes. <laughs> I was slip sliding. <laughs> exactly. All the colors. And I was joking about how I slip sliding in the uh, jelly shoes because when your feet would sweat and I, I know I grew up in Tennessee, so, <laughs> and the holes didn't make any difference at all. They did not ventilate very well now. <laughs> now, um, anything else that from the eighties that you remember that's, that's trend or show or anything at all? I remember like having like a big boom box and had like two uh, tape recorder things. And I used to make my own mix cassettes because that's how I listened to my music. Like my parents wouldn't let me buy, you know, records or tapes or CDs when they finally came out. It was all my mixes from the radio. And, you know, you're trying to 
cut it off right when the DJ starts talking and stops talking. <laughs> and exactly. Like, together yourself. That was a fun memory from the 80s. <laughs> it really was. And it was so much work. Like so much work went into, because I used to record it off the radio as well. And you had to get there so fast, hit mm-hmm. record. And then like you couldn't, you had to stay focused on the song because you had to stop it right at the right moment. Right. So I, I definitely remember that. And then making the mixtapes and and what a great, I mean, honestly, what a great era for that. You know, I mean, we it was delayed gratification. Yeah. And the shows back then, I mean, I just loved all the family sitcoms that we could watch with our family and not be like embarrassed or have awkward moments because they were like, you know, risque like they are now. Like it was just fun to watch things like, you know, Family Ties and Growing Pains and The Cosby Show. And I really wish we had some innocent shows like that now to watch with kids, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's just so much to watch too. There's just, I mean, especially during this pandemic, you know, and we're all watching four different shows, you know? Right. So what Jeffrey's watching is usually YouTube. And then, you know, George is watching a totally different shows like community with his friends. And then my husband likes certain shows. I like certain, so we're all together you know, <laughs> but we're all watching four different things. That's right. Yeah. Back in the day, it was like you had three networks pretty much to choose from and you didn't have ways to w- record it and watch it later. That was easy. So it's like, we all had to get together at eight o'clock on, you know, whatever night it was to watch sitcoms. So it kind of really all brought us together and we didn't have options to leave and watch something else. We didn't even have different devices to watch them on. You know, <laughs> It's true. We had one television, you right. know, in our house and, and we had, you know, I remember there were times that um, I didn't want to watch Star Trek. I, I was not into sci-fi, you know, and, um, you know, but my my siblings did. So it was like we had to have all this negotiation, you know, going on. So um, anyway, it was uh, I think there were a lot of skills that we developed from having to negotiate. And there was a lot of togetherness, like you said, that we all had to commit to one show and, and, and open our eyes to something that we may not normally watch. I did watch Star Trek, you know, because I had to. Right. Yeah. Otherwise I I wouldn't be able to hang out with them. So. (laughs) (laughs) And now you can understand Star Trek references when other people make them because you know, absolutely. (laughs) And and my husband loves sci-fi, so I can kind of talk about it, you know, Gives you broader general knowledge of the world. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks again, you know, for being on the show today. It's it is great to see you. I miss seeing you. Our our kids are in school together and, and I haven't gotten to see you in forever, it feels like. Year, right? We haven't seen each other in a year, which is crazy. Uh, it it really is. It's it's uh yes. And I, I'm feeling hopeful for this year that we will you know, um, we'll all get vaccinated and, you know, get to get to some sort of normalcy. I think so. whatever I that think might be definitely light at the end of the tunnel. I think it's going to be a longer tunnel than people hope, but it's going to be over. It'll be, there is an end in sight. Yes. And, um, you know, everyone get your heart checked, get your exercise in, uh, eat healthy. Thank you again, Dr. Shaw. And I really appreciate it. Yes. And until next time, take care. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80 song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. 
Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you, and we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.